0: You're listening to the sermon podcast for Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming.:
1: In the Questionable series, uh, one of the topics that was submitted was tithing and money, and, and I was, I, Dan and I see each other, you know, periodically throughout the week, sometimes sometimes more than once a week, and I had mentioned it, and he said, "Hey, if uh, you want somebody to preach that sermon, I can do it I'm like. Yes, you can do it, Dan, because for those of you who know, Dan, I'm like money is his thing. So, uh, and I love having Dan fill in and preach. Uh, uh, so I, was, I sat through the first service, and I'll sit through the second service, and I, you're in for a treat. <laughs> I, I finally found out what the hose was for. So, uh, so I'm like, hey, props, awesome. So, so there we go. It's a multimedia event. Thanks, yeah. Dan. <laughs>
0: Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you are here to worship with us. For those of you who are online, glad you're uh, tuning in with us. I hope, uh, if you are watching online, and and just for y'all, sometimes you do, but it's it's always better in the room. So I hope as you watch, you will make that choice to come here and and be with us. Uh, But whether you're here or online, I'm excited to be able to speak to you today. Uh, As Keith said, my name is Dan Nelson. Uh, My wife, Melody, and I have been a part of Meadowbrook for about 12 years or so. Uh, We have three daughters, two sons-in-law, and two grandsons. Uh, I was a pastor in another denomination for 20 years, 21 years, before we came here. Uh, We were attenders for three years. I came on staff for approximately five and a half, six years right in that neighborhood. Uh, It was time that I needed to do some different things, and so I stepped off staff. Uh, At this point in life, I'm semi-retired. I own my own bookkeeping business. Uh, I serve at the church by being part of the welcome team. I'm on the finance team, and then Keith invites me to preach a couple times a year. Uh, As he said, or I don't know if he said, but anyway, two weeks ago, Keith spoke. Uh, on a very popular topic. I'm sure when you woke up that morning and you knew Keith was going to preach on hell, you were thinking, sweet, because that is a very popular topic for people that we always look forward to. Um, This morning, we're going to talk about, uh, address another topic that I'm sure is a favorite one for most people by addressing that question, do we really, I mean, do we really need to talk about money in church? My experience over the years has been that the biggest reason people don't like to hear messages on money in church is because the pastor is trying to get them to give more money to the church. Anybody heard a sermon like that before? Yeah, I've heard them. And and I must confess, over my time as a pastor, I've preached some sermons like that. So I totally get why folks in the congregation don't want to hear it. And I totally get why pastors tend to avoid that as well. But over the years, part of my own journey, money came to be one of my favorite topics to talk about in the church, basically because I'm a satisfied customer when it comes to listening to and trying to follow the directions that Scripture lay out for us when it comes to handling money and stuff. So with that thought in mind, I would invite you to please stand, and we're going to read some of Jesus' words from Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 10. So if you want to follow along, that would be great. The words are going to be on the screen. These words come at the conclusion of what we call the parable of the dishonest manager. And, And the parable may not be particularly familiar to you, but I'm sure that the closing words are. And in fact, they may be so familiar to you that when... What often happens when we hear something familiar is we really don't hear it because we've heard it so often. And so my hope is that we'll hear these words in a new and a fresh way and especially that we'll find somewhere that we can do something with them, not just say, hey, that was interesting, and move on. So these are words from Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. And Jesus said, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? And here come probably the familiar words. No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Please be seated. I want us to reread that last line, but slightly edited. So, if you will, out loud, we're going to read this together. Okay, everybody, right? I cannot serve God and money. But we try, don't we? I I don't think I'm the only one, but we do. And so that's why we need to talk about it in church. When I started as a pastor over 30 years ago, I had a mentor who gave me a phrase that shaped my ministry and my life since that time, uh, especially when we deal with money in church. And what he said is, money talk is holy talk. And that just stuck with me. Because if we are going to be faithful to Scripture, and if we are going to allow Scripture to speak into and guide our lives and shape our values and our behavior, then we absolutely must talk about money in the church. If you look at scripture, you'll see that money talk is holy talk because scripture is full of money talk. A major theme of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes is the story of Solomon's pedal to the metal pursuit of money and material things. That's what he was about in life. Throughout much of the Old Testament is this idea that if you obey God, God will bless you financially. And so you're going to be rich. But if you're not rich, hmm, well, maybe you've done something wrong and so God doesn't bless you. We see this in the conversations that Job had with his so-called friends. See, they were convinced that the reason Job lost pretty much all of his worldly belongings in the space of a day is because he did something wrong and so God unblessed him if we read the beginning and the end of Job, we know that's really not the case. But that's what they thought. That was their perspective of how God works. In Deuteronomy 8.18, it tells us to remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Sometimes we get that mixed up too, don't we? If you look at money talk in the Old Testament, what you eventually come across is this, the term tithe. Anybody heard that term before? Yeah. I mean, if we talk about money in the church, we've got to at least touch on that and mention it. Uh, tithing started, it was a process. It didn't just show up one day. It began clear back in Genesis when Cain and Abel, uh, Adam and Eve's kids, uh, brought the first portions of their crops to God. And the idea was was that you set aside the first portion, the best portion, and then you offer it to God as an offering in thanksgiving. Leviticus 27.30 says that every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Holy talk. Money talk is holy talk. Deuteronomy says you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year and so we watched the development of israel over time and what we see is that as god raised up his people israel and he created the the priesthood and the temple and, and the sacrificial system part of all of that was that the people were to bring their tithe to the temple as an act of worship Malachi, I mean, if you talk about tithing, you come to this passage in Malachi. It's chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. I mean, it, it's powerful, it's prof- profound. And it says, those who didn't tithe were threatened with a curse, while those who did tithe would be blessed. And we're talking serious blessing, right? Store Floodgates of heaven pour out. There's not room enough to store it. And these passages, and there's, there's more, but they tell us that there's a big idea behind tithing that everything belongs to God and we get to give back 10% to him in thanksgiving and worship because he's trusted us with it in the first place. And what we see when we, again, we've gone over this pretty quick, but a tithe is 10%, that's what it means, tithe 10%. To tithe, when we turn that into a verb, means we give 10% of our income to the church, right? We're, We're talking in a biblical perspective here. And when you look down to it more, what we realize is I cannot give an offering until I first tithe. And if we really get technical, giving your tithe anywhere other than to the church really isn't a tithe. It's just a nice gift, and that's not always a bad thing. But then we start to talk about it today, right? And someone always wants to know, well, are Christians supposed to tithe? Because, you know, when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. Tithing was part of the law, and so shouldn't Christians be off the hook from tithing? And over the years, I've gotten in a lot of conversations about whether Christians are supposed to tithe or not. And I used to be somebody who said, yes, Christians are supposed to tithe. But I changed my mind, and and I hope that's okay, that I don't believe today the same way I did 20 years ago, okay? I mean, to me, that's a mark of maturity and growth, is where you wrestle with your beliefs and your practices. And some of them change. I mean, there's some bedrock stuff that needs to stay where it is, but but there's some things, it's okay to change. I, I think that's a sign of growth and maturity. And, and my reasoning, anyway, is, in my change, is that I have no problem saying, yes, the Old Testament clearly teaches tithing. There's, there's no doubt there. But I changed my mind because when we look into the New Testament for tithing, it doesn't say much. It, it mentions it. But nowhere do we see Jesus or any other author of the New Testament saying believers are supposed to tithe. What we do see is that the New Testament has a lot to say about giving and generosity and about selfishness and greed and about money and material things. When you look at statistics, and being a person who deals with numbers and figures, I know that figures don't lie, but liars figure. So you always want to take statistics with a grain of salt. But statistics tell us that Jesus talked about money and material things more than he talked about anything else, including the kingdom of God and love combined. One statistic I read says that um, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, one out of every six verses has something to do with money and material wealth. And that 16, uh, 16 out of 29 of his parables talk about money and material wealth. And so whatever statistics you look at exactly, uh, okay, but what we know is Jesus talked about money and stuff a lot. He said, be careful, don't become slaves to it. Don't let it control your life. And he said, be generous. But he never said we had to tithe. And so with, that's my journey, okay? And, and so I want to offer you two little bits of advice about Christians tithing. And one is, if you think Christians are supposed to tithe, well, then you should. (laughs) But don't knock it until you've tried it. Another question often comes up, and this is always just a fun one, do I have to tithe on my gross or my net? And I've gone round and round with people on this as well, and one day the light finally dawned on me. And that light is if you get an argument, get into an argument about whether you have to tithe on your gross or your net, you have missed the point. Totally missed the point. And so we're going to take a quick look at three passages in the New Testament that illustrate, I think, why money talk is holy talk. And one of them is this passage from Luke that we read at the beginning. And I want to reread Jesus'. Uh, concluding words to this uh, passage, or this uh, parable, and he says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, and neither can I. And I want you to think for a moment about that servant-master terminology that Jesus uses. See, the master... Is the one in charge. The master has the power and the authority. The master calls the shots, and the master expects the servant to obey. And Jesus says the servant, and, and we understand that the servant is us, that we can choose which master we serve, all right? We have a little bit of power there, a little bit of choice there. We can choose who to serve, but we cannot serve both. Try as we might. The reason we cannot serve both, uh, the biggest reason, is because the commands and the values and the behaviors we cry, required by the master of the kingdom of this world are in great contradiction and conflict with the values and the commands and the behaviors required in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world are not friends. They are not allies. They are in competition and conflict. And we cannot follow the master of both. But we've got to live in this kingdom, at least for now. And we can't avoid dealing with money, right? I mean, you know this. If you watch the news, you hear these terms like uh, inflation and recession and bankruptcy. And we hear these phrases like the stock market went down again today. Or we hear the statement that says, well, the Fed raised the interest rate again today. And things like that raise our anxiety, don't they? I mean, Melody and I are... Just short of retirement, and so we're paying a little more attention to our pension accounts, and it's just such a bummer. And we don't check them real often, but it seems like, you know, they're just kind of doing oh, doing this thing, you know? And that raises anxiety a little bit. And, and you know what else happens, though, that raises our anxiety? We, we get letters in the mail, or we get email from organizations like Black Hills and the Board of Public Utilities, and Spectrum, and Verizon, and Visa, just to name a few. And they faithfully reach out to us every month to remind us that your payment is due. And we're so sorry that the charge this month is higher than last month. And in the midst of all of this, the marketing gurus are doing their best to make us dissatisfied with what we have even though we just bought it last week it's out of date it's it's oh you need something new you need a new house or you need another house a retirement home you need a new vehicle you need another vehicle of some kind because two isn't enough you need a new phone you need a new outfit you need a new fragrance you need a vacation where you can enjoy all these new things. And, and there's nothing wrong with buying a new home or going on vacation. I mean, that's not the issue. The real issue is this. They're in conflict. And here's the question. Nope, you were there. There it is. Does all the time and the energy and the resources that I put into planning for and caring for and paying for all the stuff that I want and have, does that contribute to building the kingdom of God? There's a second passage in Timothy, chapter 6. Back in the day, this guy named Paul wrote a bunch of letters to churches and to individuals, and he wrote one to a young pastor named Timothy, and that letter made it into the Bible, and so we get to benefit from that wisdom. And in that letter, part of what he said to Timothy was that those who want to get rich fall into temptation and into trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And I read that sentence, and I think, wow, that is a mouthful of what happens when we make money our master. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And again, you've heard this before, but just a reminder, money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is one of multiple roots of all kinds of evil. Because money is not necessarily a bad thing. It can be a great thing in the kingdom. It depends on us and how we handle it. But he says, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, that's why money talk is holy talk. When we start to love money and we want to get more money. Anybody else been there? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's, that's always a temptation. When that happens, we are tempted to wander from our faith, because there's competition. And we pierce ourselves with griefs. We plunge (laughs) into ruin and destruction. I don't want that. I don't think you do either, really. We go there sometimes, but we don't want that. But that's what we've got to watch out for, because the kingdoms are in conflict, and we can't serve them both. There's a third passage. We're just kind of ripping through this, I know. But there's a third passage in Luke chapter 18. We call this the passage of the rich young ruler. You're probably familiar with this. And I'm going to... My words are going to be a little different than these words. A ruler asked Jesus, Hey, good teacher, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus said to him, Well, first, why do you call me good? No one is good except God, but here... Let me tell you, you know the commandments. Don't step out on your spouse. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't lie. Honor your mom and dad and pray the sinner's prayer. Wait, no. He didn't say pray the sinner's prayer. But the rich guy heard all this and he said, Sweet, I'm in. I've done it all. And when Jesus heard him say that, Jesus said, Wait, I'm not done yet. There is still one thing you need to do. You need to sell everything you have and give that money to the poor and then you will be saved. And when the rich guy heard this, he became really, really sad because he was really, really rich. You see why money talk is holy talk? Because it calls us Forces us to address that conflict in our lives between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. If we don't learn how to deal with money and material things from a kingdom of God perspective, our 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 priorities just go off the rails. And you look at this rich young ruler when he found out that these kingdoms are in conflict. I mean, that was a, a full stop to him. It was a barrier total to him following Jesus. More than a full stop, he put it in reverse and he backed away. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world are not allies. They're in competition. At the beginning, I told you, I was a satisfied customer when it comes to following the directions of Scripture to, to help me handle money. I want to hear from uh, Jason, uh, Jason Campbell for just a second. Uh, Jason and I have known each other about 12 years. We first met when we both worked out at Echo Star, that, out of east of town, that building with all the ginormous antenna, uh, antennas pointing up at the sky. And I got to know him a little bit. And so I asked him to come and uh, share just a little bit of his journey as he, as a previously not, but then becoming a Jesus follower, dealt with that. And so, Jason, when we first met, my impression of you... Uh, was that your financial house was not quite in order. Tell us about that a little bit. Sure,
1: that's correct. Um, I had a car loan. Well, I had, wait a minute. Sorry. First, you get
0: I want that? you to introduce yourself sure. to us. Who are
1: you, Jason? I just thought maybe you wanted to skip that. No, that's important. Who okay. are you?
0: Who is this guy?
1: I'm Jason, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Um, I've actually been going to Meadowbrook now for about five years, just a little over. Um, I have a wife, Marissa, and a daughter, Michelle.
0: Okay. Work out at Echostar still.
1: Correct, yeah. I do. Okay. Now it's named Dish. but yes. That's
0: true, that's true, it's Dish. So, um, so, your financial house was not quite in order. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Sure, um, student loans were in default at the time. I had collections, lots of credit cards, and I had just gotten a car loan when I got here to Wyoming which I got here October 2012. So. Okay. Although the, the funny thing is, is I thought I'd be fine because prior to that job, I was making, well, actually that job there is, was almost double what I had er, ever made before. So I was like, woohoo, I'm gonna be set now. No, I just spent more. Just spent
0: more, okay. And the people were still after you to collect mm-hmm. your money, so you had very little control or choice there. They they came to find you, okay. And um, what was your spiritual condition at that point?
1: So I had gone to church prior to like age 10 with parents and grandparents um, and had a Bible at about age 12 and 13, but otherwise I really didn't do much. So at the time I probably would have said I was a Christian, but now looking back, no.
0: Okay, so you had a journey to go there as well. Correct. Okay, and so what was it that made you realize you needed to make some changes financially? What clicked with you?
1: Sure. The, um, so actually, that, that car that I had gotten when I first moved out here, yeah, I finally paid it off, and so it was time to get an upgrade. And so I traded it in and got another one, which also meant another car loan. Okay. Um, but after, shortly after that, I sat down, and, and some of the goals I wanted is I wanted to get a house and, and obviously save for Michelle's college at some point, you know, it's, it's going to creep up <laughs> real quick. So I sat and did the numbers, and it didn't quite work out, you know, I, I couldn't do it all. Um, okay. So I went searching for some financial advice. Google usually gave me, lowered the interest rate on your credit card. Hmm. And I was tired of getting that result, so I went and looked for podcasts.
0: So the, just lowering your interest rate, that didn't fix it? No, okay. no,
1: because that's only gonna save you. It's, it's only gonna save you, first off, a couple of dollars. Secondly, um, it, it only fixes the symptom, not the actual issue.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So, so I went searching for podcasts where I found Dave Ramsey, um, and after it may have even been the first episode, I'm like, "This is it." Um, it one of the things it, it's nice. He, he bases his stuff off the scripture, including like Proverbs 22:7: "The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender." Um, yeah, that would be.: huh? Yes. Um, Another thing that he does is it's 20% head knowledge, 80% behavior. Uh-huh. You know? Okay. Yeah. So what I, I had the head knowledge. I didn't have the behavior. I needed to change that.
0: Okay. And so, we'll, we'll get to somebody who helped change that behavior in a sec. But, true. Yeah. Uh, and so what I'm hearing is uh, the, the, the situation with finances started exposing you to some spiritual, biblical principles, Correct. concepts, whatever. yeah. It it did, but
1: it wasn't quite enough just yet to to actually say, Jesus, I need your assistance. I need you. Like, I can't do this on my own. So, but um, in late 2017, Dave Ramsey was advertising his book club for 2018, where you get a book a month. Mm -hmm. Um, I was debating joining because the cost of it was $249. And it's like, well, that can go towards debt or that can go towards a book club where some of the books I don't actually want, you know, okay. because it was business stuff. No. I ended up doing it, and thank goodness. The, the very first book that arrived was Boundaries um, that also references Scripture a lot. And so I kind of went, oh, this Bible has a lot more things than I thought. Hmm. Um to <laughs>
0: think that? Yeah, <laughs>
1: I'm still learning things.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you
1: know, um, so because of the, the foundations that I've had just or recently found out about, like, you know, my, money being in the Bible and some of these other things, yeah, I asked Jesus, I'm like, I need you. you know, Will you please come into my heart and help me? Um, immediately, a couple things changed, but for the most part, not everything changed. You mean
0: asking Jesus into your heart didn't solve all of your problems in life? Not quite. Not quite. Oh, okay.
1: Mm. Don't we all? Yeah. Hey. So one of the things that did change though for me was from 99 to 2018, I I played video games a lot. Um, I would probably say 80% of my free time was done doing that. I immediately stopped playing video Mm -hmm. games as soon as soon as I asked Jesus. Okay. So that was nice.
0: Okay. Other stuff, not so much. No, but. I'm
1: still working on it and still learning.
0: Okay. Uh, and so how is your, and you kind of getting into it, but how has your financial situation and your spiritual situation changed and how do they impact one another at this point?
1: At this point, um, at this point, I'm out of debt. It took three and a half years to get out of debt. Um, the... Uh, Thank you. <laughs> and, and I did it at the beginning of COVID when everybody else was getting into debt. I got out, you know, okay. because I mean, obviously, you got a lot of people who just lost their jobs. So they're like, well, the only thing we have are these credit cards. We need to the max them. So people were getting in, and I got out. Um, prior to, to coming to Meadowbrook, I didn't tithe at all, even though that was also one thing that Dave Ramsey suggested. He says, to give and tithe. I'm like, nope, that's going towards debt. And once I started attending Meadowbrook, I started tithing 10%. It's
0: a big step. Good for you.
1: And just back to the getting out of debt real quick. Um, It's a journey, and it's an intense journey. Proverbs 6.5, free yourself like a, a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Basically, that means run away from debt. I mean, it's very easy to get into debt. I could, not today because banks are closed, but tomorrow I could go to the bank and probably get a $10,000 loan. Hmm. You know, it's going to be hard to get out of that. Yeah. So it's very yeah. easy to get in, very hard to get out.
0: So spiritually, what did that all do to you, for you? Um, I and mean, how's that journey?
1: Sure, that um, caused me to start tithing, which tithing led me to become more content. Um, I started attending Meadowbrook and then also life groups and some other things.
0: Started reading more than just, what was it, Genesis, Matthew, and Revelation? Correct, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know. Okay.
1: And and guys group as well. I started doing that. That's right. Yeah.
0: And then you talked about the 20% uh, head knowledge, 80% uh,
1: behavior. behavior.
0: And, and along the way you, you, I don't know if you picked up a wife or Marissa picked up a husband, but you two got together and that that's been a good thing.
1: Correct. As I said, I had the 20% head knowledge, even from high school. I knew all about IRAs and 401ks and you know, stock market and that I needed to put money in because by the time I was 40 or so, I could be a millionaire if I did that. Did I do it? No. Mm-mm. It was more fun to spend the money on current things. Yeah. Like, I want this today, so, or even, you know, credit and then, cards.
0: And then Marissa changed that? Correct.
1: Um, you know, she, she had the 80% behavior. I mean, I was already starting to learn some of it through Dave Ramsey, but... She added on to it um, the, some of the other things. We listened to Dr. John Deloney, um, who works for Dave Ramsey. He taught me that it's OK to change your mind. That was one of the fights that Marissa and I had. You know, I, at the time, felt like, well, changing your mind, isn't that kind of like a form of lying? You know, basically you told me you were gonna do something and you're like, well, you know what, because of this, I kind of changed my mind. So we listened to Deloney at night and every so often when something big comes on, we'll pause it. He basically said, it's okay to change your mind and he explained why. I paused it and Marissa goes, you got it, didn't you? And I think I just clicked play. Uh, Yep, I got it. Wives are like that. Yeah,
0: they read us. Uh, So, so so, I mean, we hit high points along the way. As far as going forward, I mean, I think of one in particular you've mentioned, but goals and direction where you're headed.
1: Correct. Uh, We want the house paid off in a couple years. Um, Because one of the things that I've heard people do, and I really want to do it quite often, not just like once in a while, is go to restaurants. Um, kind of get to know, know the waitress real quick, see if she needs any assistance. And if she does, leave a $100 tip, walk out the door, and see her reaction. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm cool. told that you, you get a lot of joy when you see something like that.
0: Yeah, so. very cool, very cool.
1: And I want to just be able to give more in general, right. more than just the tithing and compassion that, that we do. Yeah,
0: cool. All right, well, thanks, Jason. Thank you. Marissa, thanks for letting him come up. Michelle, yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's one family's story. They don't do it all right, and their way is not the one and only right way. But it's just a story of, of a family of Marissa and Jason and Michelle trying to, trying to follow the right master and make the right choices. And, and so that's a big deal. Um, I know. Some of you are wondering, what's the deal with the hose, right? Anybody? Yeah. So it's springtime, right? And in springtime, a lot of you want to go out into your garden. Some of us don't. But, um, but what we all know is when you hook the hose up to the faucet and, you know, you screw it into the wall thing and you turn it on and, and you head out to the garden, what happens a lot of the time? Kinks. Kinks. Yeah, a man of experience right there. He's, he's done that. Yeah, we, you get a kink in the hose and the water stops flowing, right? Well, there's a guy named T.D. Jakes. He's an author in the Christian world. And he says that Christians are supposed to be like hoses, channels through which God pours his blessings. And you think about that. Uh, that's going on, hopefully, in your life. But sometimes we put a kink in our hose for, for various reasons. We stop trusting God to meet our needs. And that that can put a kink in our hose. And we start to focus for whatever reason on getting more money or holding on tighter to what we have. And that can put a kink in our hose. And when we we get that kink, what happens is the blessings that God has given us, they can't flow. And what God does sometimes is says, well, if you are not going to let my blessings upon you flow, I'm going to go find somebody else who will let their hose flow and so that my blessings can flow. Why should God give us more when we don't remain faithful to what he's already given us? And what I've discovered in my own life, okay, this is me, whether it's you, I don't know, but in my own life, what I have discovered is that when I become more selfish and more self-centered than I already am, I get a kink in my hose. And when I start to be more concerned with my own profit and my own pleasure, I put a kink in my hose. And when things become more and more about me and what I want and holding on to what I have and getting more because I don't have it, well, I wind up putting a kink in my hose. And generosity goes out the window in my life and so we got to ask ourselves though okay you know yeah be generous but what does that mean to be generous broadly speaking generous is a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected see this is one place where giving is all where things are all about you because your level of generosity has nothing to do with what somebody else gives don't care what they give or don't give generosity is about you I think one of the marks of a mature and growing faith is an increasing level of generosity. And just for some kind of a reference point, I don't know if it helps, in our culture, 3% is average giving of people to organizations, church, college if you support your alma mater, whatever. 3% is average. Just a point of reference, generosity I think is where we're called. I think that's a sign of a growing faith, increasing generosity. So, so I got kind of a challenge for you here. And that is to fight the greediness and the selfishness and get the kink out of your hose and be generous. And, and I could see this morning in first service especially, s- some people going, yeah, here's the pitch as they grab your wallet and say, here's where Dan is going to say, you need to give more to the church. I don't care what you give to the church, not my business, that's between you and God. What I hope is that wherever you give, that you will be generous and realize that God doesn't need you to give. He owns it all anyway and I think I said he can take it away anytime he chooses. God doesn't need me to give, Meadowbrook doesn't need me to give. Do you know who needs me to give? Who? No, I need me to give. Yeah. I need me. And you know who needs you to give? No, I don't need you to give. You need you to give. This is fun. Yeah. I need me to give. You need you to give. That's what happens. Because when we give, lives get changed. And see, for me... When it comes to financial giving, writing the check, that's, that can be hard sometimes. And, and sometimes I don't really like it, but the joy is when I see the result. I support a little guy named Christian Rodrigo. He's part of Compassion. I give $35 a month. That's not that big of a deal. And it's fairly easy to give. But what's cool is I get letters back from him. And he says, hey, you know what? Because you give, I get clothes and food and school and housing. The, some of the other kids in my village don't. Because they don't have sponsors. And so it's great to hear that my giving makes a difference. Melody and I give to Meadowbrook, and one of the line items in Meadowbrook's uh, budget is Life Choice Pregnancy Care Center. And, and Meadowbrook's monthly giving to Life Choice doesn't make the difference with Life Choice. But I guarantee you, if you talk to some of the men and the women and the babies who Life Choice helps, they will say, thank you for giving because you're giving allows life choice to work, and my life was changed because of what life choice does. One of Melody's high school friends works for an organization called Ideas, and we help support her. She's a librarian, and she goes into countries that will not allow Christian missionaries in, but they'll let a librarian in. And so she uses her position to build relationships and share the gospel. Giving changes lives including our own. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the root of some of it because when we use it with kingdom values, it's an amazing tool and can do amazing things to help us build the kingdom. There's so much more that could be said here. You know it times at an end. But I want to give you a homework assignment, okay? If you'll do it. And, and, and it's easy. Just think about, you know, that, that passage from 1 Timothy 6, or Lu, the, the Gospels from, what is it, Luke 15 and 18, I think. I get those mixed up. But you know which those are. So when you go out to lunch today, or maybe when you go out and water the garden, think about those. And ask yourself, Is all the time and the energy and the money I put into planning for and caring for and holding on to all my stuff, is that building up the kingdom of God? And talk about that with somebody. That's even better. God especially, but your spouse, your kids, I don't know whoever. But here's the key. Don't just think, yeah, it is. I'm glad I learned that today. No, say, God, what do I need to do? How does my life need to change now that I know what you have spoken to me about today. Because the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God are not partners. They are in conflict. And we are kids of the kingdom. And we need to live that out. And one place that happens is when we are generous and give our time, our money, forgiveness, compassion, patience. Generosity does not stop at the decimal point. We can be generous in all things. And so being thoughtful and be intentional about who you choose to serve because it's a choice. Is it God or is it money? And look for ways that you can unkink that hose and let your blessings flow. And be generous when you do. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are a generous God and you have all the resources of the universe at your disposal And you are generous with them to us. And so God, forgive our selfishness and speak to us about that. God, forgive us our greediness and speak to us about that, that we would look and live more like your kingdom values than this world. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.